Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Ria, and I volunteer and attend at Christchurch Midrand. Tonight, I have the honor of reading our passage for you. Uh, we'll be reading from Mark 7, verse 14 to 23. That's Mark 7, verse 14 to 23. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by doing into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then, sorry, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all food clean, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of a man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. Bible reading. Um, if you are joining us for the first time today, uh, this evening, my name is Black, and I am the young adult pastor here at Christchurch Midrand. Let's jump straight into it this evening, uh, and let me ask this question. Uh, what do you think is wrong with the world? Um, we, we don't have to shout it out uh, all at the same time. But according to the World Economic Forum, here's a list of things that they think are wrong with the world. Um, so top on that list is food security, um, inclusive growth, whatever that means, um, the future of work and unemployment was third on that list, climate change, financial crisis, uh, the future of the internet or the fourth industrial revolution, uh, gender inequality is what's wrong with the world the global trade investment, uh, long-term investments or investment strategies, uh, and the future of healthcare. So according to the World Economic Forum, that's what's wrong with the world. Um, maybe to zoom a little bit closer, uh, what is wrong with South Africa? Right. As you look around, Sean just muttered uh, under his breath, David. Uh, but <laughs> he's your elder respect any man with a head as big as David's. Uh, so what's wrong with South Africa? Uh, according to business tech, they have their own list as well. Um, top on that list is unemployment, crime, security, uh, corruption, housing, education, uh, water supply, poverty, infrastructure, electricity, and health. Um, that's what's on their list. But maybe what I want to do this evening is even zoom in further and ask you, what do you think is wrong with the world? What do you think is wrong with South Africa? Um, as you look around, as you live here, work here, um, um, what do you think is wrong with this place? Um, as you're still thinking, um, our text forces us to even zoom further and ask that question of Jesus. What does Jesus think is wrong with the world. The passage that Ria read for us um, 
really answers that question for us. According to this passage that we're going to be looking at, uh, if you would read with me there in verses 21, uh, Mark kind of gives us uh, this answer. Listen to what he says there. For from, um, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and then the list continues. Uh, so according to Jesus, uh, what is on Jesus' list when we ask him what is wrong with the world, there's only one item, and that is the human heart. Uh, your heart, my heart, um, that's what's wrong with the world. Uh, the issues that the other two lists uh, have, those issues are valid and they're real issues, but what Jesus is saying, uh, according to his list, is that all these other issues stem from the human heart. Uh, that is what's wrong with the world. I wonder how many of us sitting here uh, this evening believe that, uh, know that, uh, maybe even wrestle with that uh, in our own experience. Um, So let me uh, pray for us, uh, and then we will uh, just get into into our our text for this evening. Lord Jesus, uh, as we think about, yeah, what's wrong with the world, uh, Lord, we can formulate our own lists. Um, Many things could be on that list. But, Father, um, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit, you you may really um, burn this truth in our hearts, uh, those hearts that are the very issue uh, with the world, um, that, um, Father, we can blame things outside of ourselves, uh, but you call us to to look deep within us, see the brokenness in our own hearts. um, And as that brokenness um, overwhelms us, there's only one place to turn to, and that is you. Uh, the one who gives new hearts, the one who heals hearts, uh, the one who gives new identity. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would remind your disciples sitting here this evening, and for those who don't know you, um, that, Father, they may come to realize that they too need to put their hearts at the fit, feet of the cross um, and that you would transform their hearts and give them new ones. Uh, so be with us as you have been um, throughout this service in your wonderful and precious name we pray amen amen so where are we just to probably uh, catch us up and help us recap uh we started mark chapter 7 last week um and as we've established mark has moved us from looking at the messiness of discipleship in chapter 6 we spent four weeks in chapter 6 um and mark moved us through the messiness of discipleship and now as we started last week in chapter 7 We've seen Mark uh, just give us the dangers in the process of discipleship. Some things that Jesus wants to warn us of. uh, Some traps that Jesus is calling us to avoid um, as we walk with him in the process of him transforming us to look like him. Um, So that's where we are in chapter 7. We remembered that we are still under construction. And we said that a construction site is a messy place. And so is discipleship. It tends to become a messy process. We saw that in chapter 6. But we also acknowledge that a construction site is full of dangers. And again, Jesus wants us to be aware of these dangers so that we don't fall into these traps. If you haven't listened to last week's sermon, what was the danger that Jesus brought to our attention last week? Well, it's the danger of replacing God's word with tradition. Uh, with man's opinion, with man's commandments. 
Um, that's the danger that we can fall into as his disciples. Uh, even as we reflected on our own church, the danger of replacing God's word with the traditions of Christ Church Madrand. Um, and not a, only that, but the, the danger of replacing God's word with our own personal habits, our own personal routines, uh, that we no longer ask questions about why we do what we do as disciples so easily then replace Jesus as the heart of anything that we do. We remove Jesus from his throne and we put our own personal habits, our own personal routines, we put our own tradition on the throne, and that's what we live for. That's why we do anything. Um, and so that's a, that's a key danger uh, that Jesus wanted us to see last week. This week, what does Jesus want us to see? What is he warning us of? Um, well, this is something that Mark has been saying since week one. Um, it's something, I think, I, as I've been preaching through this book, uh, it's just been drilled in my own head. Um, I partly illustrated that in, in the intro. Uh, but what Mark wants us uh, to see this week, again, is to remember the truth that discipleship uh, is not us coming here on a Sunday to download information uh, in our brains, in our hearts, uh, to take that information, go back home, and then create a list of religious acts um, things that we're going to judge our own performance based on or things that we're going to use to judge other Christians on. Um, uh, how are other people's holiness levels when we look at our own list that we've created? That's not what discipleship is. It's not us coming here, listening to God's word, going home, and then formulating a list of things that we're going to use to judge our performance. Um, um, and so that's, that's a key danger that Jesus wants us to see. Mark wants us to be aware of. Uh, in the text that we're going to be looking at uh, this evening. Um, if we are the kind of disciples who then do create uh, these religious lists, uh, things that are there, uh, performance or acts uh, or some kind of showing that we want to bring before God um, because we think God is going to accept us if we do that. Uh, if we create these lists, then there's two things that we're missing out on. Uh, we, we, we're missing out on what the, the biggest problem in the world is. And that is sin. Um, if we're creating lists, then we're saying that the issue is not sin, but the issue is our behavior. Right? So we should modify our behavior. We should change how we act because that's where the biggest problem is. But as we'll see in the text and as we've seen throughout the past couple of weeks, uh, the problem is not in how we behave, but the problem primarily is in our hearts. It's sin. The second thing that we'll be missing is the goal of discipleship. If we are sitting here, right? Best believe, all of us, even me standing here, I can turn my page and go uh, to somewhere else in my laptop and I'll find my list. Right? We all have lists. All of us have lists, whether we know it or we don't. We all have a list. Um, and so if we do create those lists and hold on to those lists, uh, the second thing that we do is miss out on the goal of discipleship. Right? So Jesus saves us uh, from the enslaving power of sin. That's what he saves us from uh, so that we can be free to, to worship him. Um, um, and then he moves us in real time. From the brokenness of having lived a life that was controlled by sin, uh, he moves us to being whole. Uh, he moves us to be complete in himself. Um, and so if we uh, focus on our performances, that undermines what Jesus is doing. Jesus is turning us to look more and more like him, but focusing on our own performance undermines um, his gracious movement in our lives uh, of discipling us conforming us into 
the image um, that he bears. Amen. Man, I have four uh, short points for us uh, this evening. Um, again, last week I said we're breaking tradition. We normally have three points. I had two last week. Today I have four. Uh, so here, here we are. Uh, the first point uh, is a public service announcement. Uh, we'll see what that is. Uh, so public service announcements if you're taking notes. The second point is Pagati Insight. Uh, somebody say Pagati Insight. Pagati Insight. Uh, yeah. I was actually looking at uh, my friends there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Pagati inside basically means inside, inside. Pagati is a Zulu word uh, for, for inside. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, our third point is persistent uh, perspectives. And our last point is plain truth. Right? So public service announcement, Pagati inside, persistent perspectives, and then plain truth. Um, let's, let's jump straight into the first point for the evening as we think about the danger that Jesus is, is warning us of here. Uh, verses 14 till 15, uh, read with me there as we see this public service announcement. Verse 14 says, uh, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. Uh, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Uh, so what Jesus is, is doing here, uh, first and foremost, just to probably go back a little bit. In verses 1 till 8, last week we saw that the religious leaders were up in arms. Uh, why? Because Jesus' disciples were eating without washing their hands. Um, again, why did they uh, have such a, a strong reaction to, towards Jesus' disciples not washing their hands before they eat? It's because they elevated oral law uh, or oral tradition above God's written law. Um, and so they had created all these religious lists um, of how to cleanse their hands um, before they eat. It was a religious list that was passed down to them by the elders. In fact, in verses 3 of chapter 7, that's, that's the phrase that Mark uses, uh, this, this tradition of the elders. Uh, but we noted last week that this tradition uh, or all these rules that they had had nothing to do with God. They had nothing to do with God's law. In fact, in verses 6 till 13, Jesus has already laid it in on the Pharisees. He strips them naked. He exposes them. He goes for their necks and basically says to them, you guys have twisted God's word. You have replaced God's word uh, for the traditions that have been passed down on you. And when we look deeply into those traditions, those traditions have nothing to do with God's word, uh, but they have everything to do with your own glory. Um, so now when we get to verses 14 and 15, Jesus turns his attention away from the Pharisees and turns his attention to the crowd. In fact, there at the end of verses 14, Jesus says, hear me, all of you. Somebody say all of you. Yeah. All right, that's an emphasis, right? Uh, that's the public service announcement. Jesus is calling all the people there, not just the Pharisees, not just the disciples, but he is calling all of them because what he's about to tell them, he believes, is it is of utmost importance. Uh, Jesus is about to say something that he wants all people to hear. Not just his disciples, again, not just the Pharisees. He does not want to leave anyone out. So even as we sit here this evening, uh, that same call is upon us, all of us, 
non-excluded sitting in this room, young, old, male, female, present or listening in uh, tomorrow as you uh, download the sermon, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a family member of Christ Church Midrand or you're visiting, Jesus wants to make this announcement to all of us. Somebody say all of us. Uh, Jesus wants two things uh, for us to see. Uh, what is this, this announcement that he's making? Uh, what does he want us to do as he's calling all of us uh, to pay attention? Uh, well, it's there in the text. He wants us to hear uh, and he wants us to understand. Right? Um, so he wants us to hear. What does that mean? That means anything that he's about to say after this, he wants us to take all of it in. Nothing should be left behind. We should take this with seriousness. Everything he's about to say, we should take all of it in. Don't push anything aside. Do not ignore it because it is of utmost importance. And after hearing, Jesus wants you to understand. He wants you to consider what he has said. Deeply think about it. Ponder on how what he has said will apply to your life and the current situation that you are in. Amen. Um, And by God's grace, we are glad that Jesus is still speaking to us today, supernaturally, uh, through his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is saying these very words to us this evening. Hear. Listen. Or rather, hear and understand. Somebody say hear. Somebody say I understand. Right, so that is the public service announcement, even as you sit here, right, for the next couple of minutes uh, that I, I, I have you um, hear what Jesus is saying to you. Understand. Take that in. Ponder it. Think about how it applies to your own life. Jesus does not want you to ignore this, right? Could have been anywhere today. Could have been at home, right? Could have been watching Netflix, or you would have been struggling with Load shedding, chilling at home, I don't know, right? But you're here. So if you are here, Jesus is saying, hear and understand. Amen. Man, told you our points are going to be very short today, right? Uh, our second point, Pagati Insight, verses 15. Uh, listen to what God's word says, what Jesus is saying as he's speaking to us this evening. There is nothing outside of a person, or nothing outside a person, that by going into him can defile him. Uh, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him, right? Um, so for those who don't know what the phrase pagati inside means, right? Again, it's just it's an emphasis. It's used by, by cool kids like Sean, right? Um, so, so when they want to emphasize that they are deeply in something, right? Um, so if you're in a relationship and you think like uh, people who just got engaged yesterday, I'm not going to expose them. Uh, but... But Michaela and James are pagati inside. There's no escaping, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you are in, in, comrade, right? When she said yes, you are in, right? There's no running away. That's what pagati inside means. That's what it expresses. Um, uh, but as we read verses 15, there's a lot of talk about defilement. What, what is that? Uh, what does this word defile mean? Well, it means to spoil, it means to impair, it means to degrade, it means to pollute, it means to poison. Um, If you've been a disciple for any two seconds, uh, biblically speaking, what's the one thing that is capable of doing all these things uh, that I just mentioned now? Uh, Sin, right? Sin does all these things. It spoils, it impairs, it degrades, it pollutes, uh, it, it poisons. Sin corrupts, sin distorts, sin violates, sin 
taints, uh, it bends, it misshapes, it contaminates everything that it touches. That's what sin is. That's what defilement is. Uh, so what these religious leaders were saying um, is, is that they had a, a long list of things that they attributed uh, as the source of this corrupting power called sin. Um, and all these things were outside of themselves. Right? So, so, so they attributed the, the power of sin to, to animals, uh, dead people, certain foods, sick people, Gentiles. They didn't even want to enter the homes of Gentiles um, at all. So, so in their minds and what they believe and what they hold on to is that sin is a problem that exists out there. Uh, it's, it's a problem that's far away from them. It's a problem that they need to dodge. It's a problem that they need to escape. Sin is out there. Somebody say out there. Um, and, and so anytime they would be in contact with these places, objects, or people, uh, they would think that sin is then transferred from these places, objects, or people onto them. Um, they, they thought of sin sort of like, you know, the greasy guy with a lot of Vaseline, right? Uh, we all know that guy, right? He's just got a fresh perm. I don't know why he has a perm in 2023. Uh, but as soon as you give him a, a, a handshake, all that Vaseline is left on you, right? right? <laughs> Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You hug him and you don't have to lotion your body for the rest of the year, right? This guy has given you enough Vaseline, right? Uh, that's, that's how they treated sin. They didn't want to touch anything that had, quote-unquote, the Vaseline. Because if you touch it, the Vaseline will be left on you. And so in order for them to remain pure and clean, they distanced themselves from all of these things. Uh, they didn't want to be in contact with any of these things. In fact, if they were in contact with any of these things or people or objects, then they would perform, right? This list of cleansing rituals. For them, sin was apparently outside. It was never poverty inside, right? Apparently is outside, sorry. Um, yeah. So, so sin for them was apparently outside, but it was never poverty inside. And so Jesus screams at them in verses 15. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying this is a lie. Right? This is far from the truth. If the truth was the sun, what these religious leaders are teaching is not even in the universe. It is far from what the truth is. It's far from it. This is a lie. Sin does not primarily exist apparently outside, but it exists parati inside. Have you noticed there in your Bibles that there isn't a verse 16? Amen? Right? Some disciples who are reading their Bibles, no? Okay, you're noticing now. No? All right? Okay, cool. All right, we're here. Uh, but, but there isn't a verse 16, because um, verse 16 uh, was believed to be added later on um, as a note by a translator. Right? So he got the Gospel of Mark, he was translating it to other churches, but as he was reading Jesus' tone in, in verses uh, 15, um, uh, 14 and 15, he could see the urgency in Jesus' Uh, tone. He could hear the urgency in Jesus' tone. So, so he added, whoever has ears, let him hear. Right? Which was a common thing for people to say, to bring people to attention, to say, what is being said here? You need to hear. You need to understand. This is a matter of life and death. Anyway, it wasn't included uh, because it wasn't what Mark wrote down, but the translator saw the urgency in Jesus' tone. And, and I'm praying and hoping that you seeing that as Jesus calls us uh, to realize that there is a danger here, a warning that he gives not only to his disciples, but he gives to all people. 
the danger of false religion. That's the danger that Jesus is giving here. Uh, I would even go further to say that, that, that being an outright sinner is far better right, than being somebody who subscribes to a false religion. Why? Why would I even say that? Because the, the basic assumption of false religion is believing that you are good. You look at your own list, the list that you've created, and the basic assumption is that you're good. And if you are good, why? Because sin exists outside. doesn't exist in you. Right? You're not polluted. You're not poisoned. You don't have anything that contaminates you. All of that stuff is outside. If I'm good, then surely God is going to accept me. Then I'm good with God. As opposed to somebody who's an outright sinner, who's being told, left, right, and center, that you need God. You need God because you're a sinner and this sin exists inside of you. But if you subscribe to false religion and you have created your own list, then you can easily be duped to think that you are good. False religion goes through its entire life believing that God is on the other side waiting with arms wide open, ready to accept your sacrifices, ready to accept your performances, while in actual fact, hell and death are the only thing that are waiting for you. That's what false religion makes us Believe An outright sinner knows that his time is running out. He knows that death is inevitable. He knows that his days are numbered. But somebody who creates their own list thinks that sin is outside there, doesn't exist inside. A person never wakes up until it's too late. You're standing at the shores of the lake of fire, waiting for God to somehow correct this glitch in his will, right? Because surely you cannot be wrong. God has done something, and God is the one who's mistaken. You're supposed to be in heaven. After all, you deserve heaven. So while you're standing at the shores of the lake of fire, you're thinking, hey, God, are you going to fix this? I'm a good person. Look at my list. Sin existed outside of me. I tried to keep myself clean from all the Vaseline-infected things. No Vaseline in my hands. The Pharisees had it. Wrong. The crowd that Jesus is speaking to had it wrong. Sin does not necessarily or primarily exist outside of us, um, but it does exist in our hearts. You cannot protect yourself from any external expression of sin. Right? You cannot protect yourself from that if you haven't acknowledged the internal existence of sin first. You cannot sit here and think about what Jesus says in Matthew 5, right? If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hands cause you to sin, cut them off. Why would you do that if you think you're good? Why would you do that if there's never been an acknowledgement that sin exists internally first? What is it that you're protecting yourself from external expressions of sin? Why should I protect myself from watching porn? All that stuff is, is bad, um, but I, it doesn't have anything to do with me, right? And you fail to realize that there's lust that exists in you that draws you uh, to those things. Hence, in end of verses 15, uh, Jesus reiterates this and says, uh, but the things that come out of a person, that's what defiles you. Uh, false religion is deadly. And we all have to repent of it. Amen. Man, we all have lists. Um, List that we've used to judge our own performance and how good we are. And because of that, uh, we want God to accept us. Um, if you have a list, in fact, you have a list, uh, burn it, right? <laughs> burn your list. If there's nothing else that you hear me say today, just burn your list. Um, 
burn your list and go to God and ask him to reveal your actual sin. Right? Not just for revelation's sake, but for freedom's sake. Once you know what your sin is, you can then confidently go to the feet of Jesus at the cross and lay it down because it is him and him alone who can deal with your actual sin, not your performance. Your performance can never deal with your sin at all. In fact, your performance just adds on um, to your sin. But laid at the feet of Jesus, he's the only one who can deal with it. Um, sin starts from poverty inside, again, not ngapantle, outside. Amen. Amen. Um, our third point for the evening, um, persistent perspectives. Read with me. It's a, it's a lengthy uh, chunk of this passage, verses 17 till 23. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then you also, without understanding, uh, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Verses 19, Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the hearts of men, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, uh, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. They, and they, defile a person. Amen. Um, So, persistent perspectives. Verses uh, 17, Jesus and his disciples have just left the crowd uh, they go into a house, uh, and while they're in the house, the disciples are clearly rocked. Right? Uh, their, their worlds have been shaken, right? uh, and they're thinking to themselves, "It's like what just happened here." Right? Um, and so they go and ask Jesus, "Jesus, can you uh, please explain what what the parable uh, means that you used in your public service announcement?" Um, for those who don't know what a parable is, uh, it's a story. Um, and the story basically tells us um, of a spiritual principle or a truth. Um, so that's what a, the parable is. In verses 18, Jesus goes off on his disciples. They've asked him to explain this thing, but he, he just goes off. Right? Do you not understand? Um, um, sticking about like Mark 7 verses 1 till uh, uh, now 23 that we've read. I'm like, Jesus goes off in this thing, right? I think this whole chapter should be changed and titled Jesus Goes Off. Uh, but he goes off, goes off at, at the Pharisees, right? goes off at the crowd. Now he's going off uh, at his disciples. Um, his disciples, basically, what Jesus is, 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 is frustrated by um, is the truth that they held the same worldview as the crowds. They held the same worldview as the Pharisees. They, too, believed that sin is like Vaseline, right? Um, so, so they were genuinely confused. Um, again, this is, reminds us of chapter 6, the messiness of discipleship. You're walking with God himself in the flesh, um, and yet you cannot even let go um, of the stuff that you've been taught growing up uh, and what you've believed. And here is the word of God himself. Um, again, very gracious towards these disciples because this is us. Um, but they're genuinely confused. They, they, they've been brought up to think that sin is like Vaseline. They, they've, been, they've been taught this. This is how they've moved uh, in the world. Um, in fact, that's, that's, that's the thing here. Right? His disciples didn't actually understand. And hence, they're going to to ask Jesus. Um, 
take, take the example, uh, or rather the point that uh, Mark makes when he, he says there in verses 19 that he declared food clean. Right? Peter was one of these disciples that was here. But Peter doesn't get that Jesus declared all foods clean until Acts 10. Right? That's, a, that's a long time. Until Acts 10, he does not get that Jesus in Mark 7, 19 declared all foods clean. You can think of all the events that proceeded from this. Jesus gets arrested. Peter denies Jesus. Jesus dies. Jesus resurrects. Jesus ascends. Uh, the spirit descends. The church starts. People are saved. The apostles are arrested. Paul is uh, killing Christians. Paul is converted. God gives Peter a vision. And only then, Peter gets it. Right? Who's David? Who am I? Who are all of us? Right? The process of discipleship is a messy one. We get it, but we don't get it. We understand, but we don't understand. We know him, but we don't know him. Um, and, so, and so there is a level of grace, I think, uh, that as we read this text, we, we should exercise uh, over the disciples, but also cry out at the altar. Uh, cry out at the cross. Lord, please help us. Right? I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, I, I have a list right now, Lord. Right? And the reason why I'm holding on to that list is because there's things about you that I believe in correctly or things about you that I don't even trust or believe. Help me. Um, and man, some disciples are struggling out there. Right? Cool. All right? <laughs> uh, but Jesus wants to, to warn them um, of the same danger that he, he warned the crowd. That's the danger of false religion. Uh, Jesus wants them to see uh, that the process of discipleship starts from poverty inside and moves to apparently outside, um, not the other way around, right? Um, it doesn't start outside um, and move in, but it starts from the inside uh, and moves outside. Um, that's part of Jesus' frustration here. As he, as he sees his disciples, he's been frustrated with the Jews, he's frustra- uh, with the Pharisees, he's frustrated with the crowd. Now he's frustrated with, with his disciples because of how far gone uh, these people have been. They've moved so far from God's word and have focused uh, on rabbis' interpretations, as we've seen uh, last week, uh, that all of them have missed what God has been doing in the world throughout salvation history. God has always been concerned about the heart. That's what God has always been concerned about, and not uh, the external religious performances. And so Jesus is saying to them, don't you get it? Don't you hear? Don't you understand? God has always been concerned about the heart. You don't have to go there, but let me read Joshua uh, 24 uh, and verses 23. Um, just to, to, to illustrate that, I listen to what Joshua says. Um, and, and the people, brother, he said, Then put away the foreign gods uh, that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. God has always been concerned about the heart. He even tells them to put away their idols uh, and then fix their hearts, incline their hearts towards God. That's what he's always been concerned about. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12, 13, and 16, I'll read it for us. And now, Israel, uh, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Uh, Verses 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. God has always been concerned about the heart. 
but they were so concerned about their lists um, that they missed that God was calling them to transform their hearts and they thought that they needed to tick all these things on their list to show that they are diligent uh, and they perform and they're religious. Um, and Jesus is frustrated at them. Uh, God cares for the heart. And as we hear that, we could think to ourselves, then does God not care about our behavior, right? Uh, should we just sit here and meditate on our hearts, read God's word and say, hey, God's word, please pour, pour, pour yourself into my heart and not really think about how we live and behave. Uh, it's far from it. That's far from it. Uh, God does care about how we behave. But, but what he, he wants to show these disciples and us this evening, um, he, he wants our persistent perspectives, right? how we have believed he works in this world, how they believe God has, has been working to break, to shift, so that they can realize that how they move outside there is influenced by the state of how they are inside. Right? How we move in the world is influenced by how we are inside. If you're rotten inside, then you'll have rotten behaviors. Right? If you're healthy inside, then you'll have healthy behaviors. Um, but they were set on holding on to their persistent perspectives um, that deliberately ignored the inside completely. They didn't want to even engage with what was happening in their hearts. Um, but instead, uh, they wanted to keep on washing their behavior. Here's a list of things I need to wash. Let's keep on washing these things, believing that these things will truly cleanse them and God will be pleased. Um, so Jesus repeats this point three times in this whole text, right? Verses 15, verses 18b, verses 20, verses 23. It's not what comes from outside that defiles somebody, but it's what comes from inside him. But they didn't get it. Um, they didn't get it. Which leads me to, to our last point, plain truth. Uh, and I want to ask us this question. Uh, do we get it? As you sit here this evening, uh, do you get it? That sin is poverty inside and not necessarily apparently outside. Uh, do you get it? Um, that you can have your list uh, with as many items on it. Um, but those things will mean nothing um, because you need a heart transplant. You need a heart change. Do we get it? Or maybe let's ask it in a, in a different way. How does the, the process of discipleship start? Um, well, we know it starts by, by Jesus with his Holy Spirit changing our hearts, uh, not changing our behaviors first and foremost, but he changes our hearts. What is a heart? Uh, listen to what uh, Jeff Stott says. The heart refers to the depth of your inner you, uh, your command center, the part of you that thinks, wills, has affections, feelings, plans, desires, and the likes. Um, the heart includes your soul, spirit, mind, and will. It is, it is who you really are and where you make decisions. The part of you your heart needs to be radically transformed and renewed by the free grace and love of God. You cannot fix this problem on your own. You cannot get away from this corrupted heart of yours. You need a new heart. That is the problem. And of quote. Um, so how does discipleship start? Well, it starts by Jesus replacing your heart of stone. That's how this whole thing starts, right? If you're sitting here and you love him, it started because he replaced your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Uh, it started by him replacing your hot heart 
with a soft heart. Uh, it started by him replacing your non-responsive heart to all he's leading, to all uh, his words. You weren't responsive to any of that, and now he has given you a sensitive heart that hears him, that hears his word. Uh, It started by him replacing a God-hating heart and has replaced it with a heart that loves God. Amen. Um, So with that in mind, then when we think of verses 21 till 22, um, if we have changed hearts, does this mean that we're not going to experience some of the things that Jesus has uh, in those two verses? Um, By no means. Um, We will experience some of those things. Uh, but here's, here's what it means. It means that when we experience those things, the disciple doesn't pull out the scale. Right? That's not your first response, where you put out your religious scale and you start playing a balancing game. Right? Uh, look at all the bad things I've done this week. Um, how many good things can I do to offset these bad things? Right? How do I start playing this, this scaling game? A disciple does not pull out her list first and start comparing yourself to other disciples. Well, I might have stuffed up this week, but at least I'm not like so-and-so, right? Uh, if you come to my church, you'll see all the hypocrites there. At least I'm not like some of those people, right? Yeah, I did some bad things. A disciple doesn't do that. Um, you don't do that when you experience some of these things that Jesus um, uh, speaks of here. And so what Jesus will call us to is not to fall into this danger. Let's put away the scales. Let's put away the lists. Jesus wants you to bring your bare heart to him. That's what Jesus wants. That's what he wants. He wants you to bring your heart full of its mess to him. Why? Because he started by replacing your heart. He started by changing your heart. And he will finish that work. Bring your heart to him. Burn your list Leave your scales. Um, we did not start uh, by looking at our, our behavior, but we started with our hearts. Um, so we cannot progress to our behavior, but instead we need to take our hearts to Jesus. Right? Amen. Um, amen. No, no lists. Why? Uh, because if you've been a Christian for two seconds, you know Satan already has a bigger list than yours. Right? Um, he, has a, he has a more massive list than yours. And, and he will pull it out at any time to remind you of how much you are a failure. Um, so, so forget those lists. Um, if you want to have a list, have the same list that Jesus has with one item, and that's your heart. Because um, that kind of list will remind you of your greatest need. Right? As, as, as you have a list of all your behaviors, then those, those kind of lists force you uh, to focus on your own strengths. Uh, but a list with your heart in it overwhelms you so much that it forces you to turn to the only one who can cleanse your heart. Um, so you look deep into your own heart. You think, Jesse, I can't fix this. Uh, no one can fix this. Um, not my performance, nothing, but Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. Um, so let's turn to him um, as he continues to cleanse cleanses us. Um, let's uh, stay away from the danger creating our own lists, um, but trusting him. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, um, we are very grateful uh, that you, you do only what you can do, Lord, and that is um, to change hard hearts, change us from being God-haters, um, you change us from uh, being rebels, 
changes, Father, from having uh, a disposition um, that, that is just in constant war with you, Lord. Would you change our posture to one of surrender, of humility. Um, and as we live this side of, of heaven, it is hard. Um, and there's many dangers that we might be unaware of and might fall trap uh, to. We pray, Lord, by your word, your Holy Spirit, by the community that you brought us around, that you would expose our sin and you would um, cause us to, to go to the foot of the cross and lay those sins bare before you. Because only you can take care of them, not our performance. Performance adds more burdens um, to us. But Father, your cross um, is liberating Jesus. So I just pray that you would um, help us as we walk through uh, this journey of discipleship to all us go back to you, Lord. In your wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.